I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's good to be back, guys, and uh, doesn't it just give you a bit of a shiver up the spine when you hear that song, because you know what time it is. It's very close to the start of the season, and the Supercoach Report is back for another week, and um, going to be a little bit different this time around, because I'm solo hosting, and um, and that's cool. So I'm just going to run through some of the trial news, and then what we're going to do is call through to a couple of guys that you know very well in uh, Wilfred and also Joe. They're going to cover their beloved sides in the Broncos and the Bulldogs, and uh, we'll preview both of those. Now, before we get on to that, just have to give the mega guide a shout-out again. So version 2 was just released last week, and it's got over a dozen different players that have been updated, and we will be updating again next week because as we're going to talk through with the trials there has been a ton of news coming out and still some roster movements as well which we need to I guess uh, manage and work around so um, the final version will be out next week and then it's a week before the start of the season so any news after that and that that is it so um, Meggy Guide's available still for $12.99 covers every single player every single club it's it's everything that you possibly need to get your side ready to go for the 2019 Supercoach season uh, don't forget the 10% of all proceeds this year are going towards t- the Townsville Flood Appeal, and we're uh, quite proud of that. I think we've raised over $600 at the moment. So thank you, everyone, who's purchased. So what we'll do now is we'll just jump straight into some trial news, and as I said, it's just going to be me working through um, a few of the, the, the big items. And, um, geez, injuries, boy, oh, boy, what a disaster. I, I can't remember the last time that we lost not one but three legitimate super coach guns in a trial weekend. So TPJ, Turbo, and Kakao are all out injured. So it seems like that uh, Tom Dravojevic is set to mix, miss up to six weeks with a nasty hamstring. That's just been reported today, which is huge news. Um, and uh, But Kakao and TPJ are still waiting scans. Um, however, the initial uh, diagnosis floating around of those two is, is kind of a, a two to four week, but uh, we won't know until uh, tomorrow what is uh, lining up. I mean... Travojevic wasn't in my side, but you know he's he's going to find his way out of a lot of sides now, obviously, and be a, an upgrade target later on in the season. Kakao was somebody that I'd penciled in as being potentially a starter, and, and now you know that doesn't look good. I think Cleary's come out today and said he's had a, an amazing preseason, so um, that's that is really a shame. And then uh, TPJ's injury is is really really concerning, given you know he's he's had. Um, Problematic hamstrings in, the, in previously, and you know I think NRL physio was saying that they doing they were doing some specific work to um, to try and uh, strengthen those, and, and it's just a really a shame that you know as he said uh, TPJ that he heard a pop and it went. So 
that is not good news at all and um, he's hard to fit into your side at the moment. So elsewhere, um, the Knights showcase new feature halves, obviously with Caelan Pongham shifting in to join Mitchell Pearce and, um, and Pong has seemingly moved on from a disappointing All-Stars performance and for us super coaches, it is time to get excited once again about the combination of Ponga and Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Our reports are that they dominate, dominated down Fitzy's edge uh, late yesterday and, and Fitzy did score a, a try, which he so often does in, in many games. So they've both made their way into my super coach side at the moment. Um, and, you know, Ponga particularly with uh, Dravojevic uh, now out injured is a, you know, is, is a pretty handy pick. Um, elsewhere, we've got Jake Clifford who put in a blinder for the Cowboys against the Titans with a hat trick. So you can really go down to the wire uh, there as to who will partner Michael Morgan in the halves after TMN was very much the early favourite. At the Sharks, they, they very much put out a junior uh, development side. And Bronson Zeri, who um, you know is, is definitely a hype player in lots of sides, very cheap at the moment. He did score a fantastic 70-metre plus try. And you know it's performances like that, that that could propel him into that round one side. And he'll be locked into many super coach starting squads if that was to happen. So that's all good news there. Um, the Broncos face the Seagulls and, um, geez, he might be 17, but Tom Druiden did not look out of place last night. Um, he was superb. Um, probably begs the question as to whether he'll feature this year uh, or whether they'll just keep developing in the Q Cup. But uh, one of the reports today did um, you know, <laughs> mention Ponga um, along the lines of Druiden. So that's something super excited for the Broncos to look forward to. Uh, fellow youngster Thomas Flegler also impressed uh, with Payne Haas obviously missing the first four weeks of the season. There's going to be an opening there for a young prop forward to uh, to come into the side. Um, for the Dragons, Corbin Sims and Paul Vaughan were both reportedly massive, which is interesting. Maybe not for Sims, but Vaughan has been a little bit of a lost um, commodity in the, the past 12 months after a huge 2017 season kind of really dropped away so um, he's a guy that I'm uh, definitely looking at um, particularly with uh, you know TPJ uh, not really being someone you can probably start from round one so with them aside uh, we might have unearthed another center wing cheapie at the Dragons as well with uh, Mikale Ravawala uh, impressing with a try and he starts at basement Price. So if he can have a starting spot on the wing for the Dragons, then he'll be another player that it will feature in a lot of Supercoach teams. And uh, lastly, that you got Sion Katoa uh, put in a very strong performance for the Panthers and may have very well won himself a starting hooker role ahead of Wade Egan. So that that's um, some of the news. We've got JT that's going to write a, a trial uh, report or a wrap tomorrow, and I didn't want to steal all of his thunder, but just thought that the major headlines will start the podcast with that before we get into the, the meat of the show. Um, and speaking of that, how about we just start jumping in, and I'm going to call Wilfred, and we're going to talk all about the Broncos, and then after that, I'll be calling Joe. And uh, and yeah, I hope you enjoy it. you got 40 minutes ahead uh, where it's just... Uh, the three of us talking about the Bulldogs and the Broncos. Cheers, guys. Well, first time on the podcast this year. Well, first time joining me in about 12 months. Wilfred, how are you? Um, you uh, must be excited by uh, what the Broncos did last night. Yeah. How you going? Um, I'm feeling pretty good about this season, so it's good signs for the Broncos, and I'm glad you got me on to have a chat about it. 
Excellent. Now, we don't have much time, do we? We're going to burn through this in uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Let's talk all things Brisbane Broncos and Supercoach for 2019. Uh, preview it, mate. What's been happening this off-season? It's been a pretty busy one for the Broncos. Um, I'm sure plenty of people have heard and read plenty about it, but I'll summarise, obviously, Wayne Bennett out, Anthony Seabold in, in a fairly messy way. Uh, we've had a couple of retirees in terms of, um, you know, the likes of Sam Thaday. Uh, we've got Josh McGuire heading up to the Cowboys, got Corbin Sims off to the Dragons, a couple of other minor swaps like that. Uh, obviously, there's been a couple of additions in the likes of, you've got, um, you know, Sean Fensum, uh, good old classic gun, but who's uh, not been a gun for a bit, unfortunately. Uh, we've also had um, Sean O'Sullivan uh, potentially playing halfback uh, in the mix there as well. But yeah, a lot of uh, the Broncos have just been bringing more and more youngsters through. So no doubt with the trials, plenty of people have been hearing about Thomas Dearden. Uh, he's only 17, but he's uh, absolutely been killing it in the lower grades uh, and looking really good in the trials as well. As well as, you know, the likes of Patrick Carrigan, Tom, Tom Flegler, and a couple of these other guys who are, you know, no doubt some of you guys saw them in action in the trials um, last night. So lots, lots have been happening, uh, but... It's it's all about what's supercoach relevant, isn't it? It is. And, and what about the draw? Are they, is it a favourable one early or is it similar to last year where it's quite difficult? I think the fact that the Broncos, you know, being a good primetime team, they, te- they, te- they tend to get the, the tough matchups. So uh, looking looking at the starting draw, uh, it's, it's not the worst. They obviously get a couple of games at Suncorp. But, you know, they start off with a tough road trip off to Melbourne to play the Storm. They play at home uh, against the Cowboys and then the Dragons as well. Uh, but, you know, both those teams are either seen as like good early season teams or, you know, strong improvers for this year. Then they've got to have a trip down to play the Roosters before they come back to Suncorp for the Tigers. So it's not it's not the worst. They always play better at Suncorp, especially for super coach purposes. Um, but, you know, overall across the year, they've got, you know, they've, they, they always have two games against Melbourne pretty much always have two games against the Rabbitohs, two games against the Roosters. So a lot of the better teams, they have to play twice. So, uh, you know, the, that's the unfortunately the, the downside of having all the primetime games. Yes, very true. And it does seem like they do get stuck with um, maybe more than their fair share of difficult games. But uh, all the better when you're living up here and you get to go and watch uh, the Broncos play the better sides. Okay, so we've got 10 minutes now, mate. Let's smash through it. Guns, sleepers, bust, and cheapies. Let's start at guns. Uh, I mean, you and I were talking just before this. Anthony Milford is probably uh, the only one that we can really call an out-and-out gun now, particularly with what's happened with Pangai last night, which we'll get to very shortly. Uh, there's not really anyone else that stands out as a gun at the moment, um, based on what they've done before or um, potential, I would say. There's, there's just a lot of sleepers and a lot of what-ifs uh, sitting there at Broncos. So, Anthony Milford, I knew the, know that you were quite big on him last year. I um, wasn't interested at all and, and obviously did have a, a pretty bad year. If you look at his average 54, that's uh, not really what you want. But can he uh, go any, where can he go? Can he go up to that 65, do you think, or um, are his best supercoach days behind him? No, I definitely think he's um, capable of turning it around. Uh, for I guess all the drama about how bad Milford's year was, I mean, like you said, he, he still averaged 54, which is about fifth or, or sixth of all, of all the five-eighth options um, in Supercoach. So you know, putting it in context, it's really not that bad. 
Uh, and for that to be his worst year ever, I think the only way is back up, especially with the whole tri- the, the, the try contribution stat that he's got available now. I think the <clears throat> the Daily Telegraph confirmed that if he had um, you know those points applied to him last year, his his average would have been well two or three points better. He scored an additional 56 points across the season, which I mean that's putting him at the 56, 57 mark without lifting a finger. So. You know, he, he finished the, the end of the year quite well. Uh, Ten round average, I think, of about 60, 65 or thereabouts. So certainly a really bad start to the year, a strong finish, and I'm backing him to keep it going. It's just a matter of his um, his health at the moment. Obviously, he's coming back from a second shoulder reconstruction. Um, all signs seem really positive um, for the shoulder, but obviously it does restrict his ability to get contact in. Uh, plus, he's had a bit of a minor hamstring or like a, a strain of some sort uh, in the preseason, which is keep keeping him out of some trials. So is a, there's a risk there that he might be underdone. So uh, I think he's going to go really well. I just don't know if it's going to go strongly out, out the blocks just because of the, the injury scares right in the preseason at the end there. Yeah, and we saw last year that he wasn't really able to capitalise uh, as much as in the past uh, playing at Suncorp. So from memory, and I'm sure that you'll um, say whether I'm correct or not, but he had an average of around about 90 points per game when playing at Suncorp, and he just wasn't able to deliver on that last year. So certainly you would think that with Seabold coming in as coach and, and what he did, particularly with uh, Cody Walker last year, and you know really got the best out of him, that um, you know hopefully he is a, a bonus for Milford. Yeah, absolutely. We saw his left side attack with the Rabbitohs just um, absolutely kill it. Uh, Robert Jennings became super coach relevant because he scored, you know, I think like 18 to 20 tries, something like that. So something very impressive there. Uh, the question is, I guess, is whether Seabold you know, uses the same attacking structure or if he designs one that's better suited for the Broncos. Um, you know, they've obviously got some pretty pretty good weapons on the right-hand side as well with the likes of James Roberts. Um, and, and obviously Jermaine Asako as well. So uh, it's, I mean, I think either way Milford's going to be involved regardless. Yep. So I definitely feel um, strongly that he's going to do well. It's just a question of whether it's from round one. Okay. All right, let's move on to the sleepers. So I think there's three guys here we can um, probably bundle up together. Pangai, Joe O, and Dave Fafita. Um, you know, they, they're all super talented, very young, and... I don't know. I've got a feeling that one of these guys will jump into that gun category this year. It's just a matter of who. Um, you know, Pangai we saw, unfortunately, suffering the hamstring injury last night. Uh, initial um, diagnosed from uh, a few people or maybe two to four weeks, but nothing official as of yet. And then the other two guys, in particular, David Fafida, has just had an outstanding preseason. Um, where are you leaning at the moment with these uh, three um, just sublimely talented young forwards? Well, at this stage, I mean, I was obviously pretty pretty devastated to hear the news about um, Pangai Jr. Uh, it's just disappointing for him also because he spent the off-season working really hard on his hamstring. And if you see some of the tweets from NRL Physio, he um, talked about how that's the kind of rehab and conditioning that you need to do to strengthen them. So whether it's a case that it's just an ongoing work in progress uh, or whether it's just unfortunately he's always going to be prone to hamstring injuries. That's a big concern. Uh, I think for Super Scope's purposes, it um, probably means he's going to be in a void for the time being um, until you you know you see that you can really trust his uh, or trust his hamstrings really. Yeah. To be able to stay on the park. 
Um, I think, you know, if he is out um, and then not playing round one, I think that's a definitely bump up for uh, Joe. Um, and it also could open the door for a potential star for David Fafita, as you as you pointed out. Uh, yeah, look, Fafita is going to be a gun. Uh, if he gets big minutes, if he gets to play 80, um, you know, he's a dead set, lock him in. Uh, like, it's not even a question. He will... Uh, he would just absolutely kill it, like not just ball in hand, but um, he he's a hard worker as well. So, um, so hand, so just um, just on that. So, what needs to what cards need to fall in place for him to play the, that many minutes in the Broncos pack? I think it's just basically um, well, there's probably two main ways it can happen. One, uh, Seabold thinks he's better um, to play 80 minutes than you know Jed Sewer and Alex Glenn, uh, and then Matchelet could still have the right edge. Uh, two is Matchelet's not as healthy, or, or maybe he's unfortunately done for mental reasons and whatever, because it's such a serious injury. In which case, maybe Zafid is just going to end up taking over that right edge, which I think is his preferred edge. Um, but, so that's probably the two main reasons uh, which I could see him getting the start and playing enough minutes to be super coach relevant. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if, if if he gets eighty, he's dead set. It's it's basically Angus Crichton. Oh, I agree. That's, um, that's, yep. that's his that's his ceiling. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, and and then we got Joe O, who um, plays in the middle. Uh, you know, he, he you pointed a few things out to me yesterday. Um, you know, when he's playing over sixty minutes last year, his scores were fantastic. So, where do we think that he's going to line up this year? Obviously, starting and how many minutes are you expecting him to get through per game? Yeah, look, I think he's going to start a prop uh, beside Lodge. Uh, I can see him being given that role. Um, to me, I don't think it really matters whether he starts the 10 on his back or the 8 or the 13. It's just going to come down to whether he gets the minutes. I can see him paying, playing a minimum of 55 to 60. Uh, if he hits 60 to 65, I'm locking him in. He's yeah. going to be a, a low-range keeper and he's dual position. So obviously that helps out with that front road forward um, you know, position. But he's just a base dad beast. Um, he, he gets through a lot of work and he, he's also, you know, often finding himself in the right time at the right place and still can um, sniff out a try every now and then. Yeah, well, I mean, I have to admit, I've, I've currently got both um, Joe O and Fafita in my side after the Pangai injury and um, left with probably about 80K in cash. Just love both those picks. And um, I don't know if I'll end up going with both, but I think one or, two, one or two of those guys will really break out this year and it's just a matter of which one. Okay, last of our sleeper, and we need to work him pretty quickly. You've um, you've briefly touched on him, but Matt Gillette, who's coming back from a, a big injury, like he's priced at a 46 point per game average which is ridiculously cheap compared to what he's done previously um you know do we just think that maybe he's not going to be uh you know fit enough or have that size to make him relevant uh from the get-go yeah i think it's just a matter of um fitness and and um his ability to play the the big minutes i think he needs to play 80 for him to be worth it i mean his range is um averages anywhere from like 50 to 66 I think playing 80 minutes, depending on his attacking stats. So if he's not getting 80 on that right edge, I don't think it's going to be worth jumping on him. Um, and then obviously it's a question mark whether he gets that straight away from round one, given how long he spent out of the game with his injury. So uh, I would be starting to, um, I wouldn't be starting him. I'd just be keeping a close eye on him. Yeah, yeah, I think that you're right. I couldn't see him possibly playing 80 from the get-go, maybe as he warms up into the season. Okay, so before we get into the cheapies, mate, I'll just get you to quickly rank um, 
uh, one, two, and three out of Pangai, Joe O, and Fafita for your round one side. Um, with the injury to, to to TPJ, I've right now got Joe O in my team, so he would be my one. If Fafita starts, he would be my one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so maybe those two guys, one and two, and then Pangai is a distant third right now just because of the injury. Yeah, how things can change. Hey? We've got enlisted as a one of the uh, the first players we put down as an A grader in the MIGI guide. And um, when we do our update um, probably next week, I, I can see him falling down a couple of spots, unfortunately. Okay, so let's move to the yep. cheapies again. We can probably bundle a, a couple of these guys up, um, some of the young props coming through. But let's start with Jack Bird. And, and I know that when you opened the preview, you did um, you did kind of briefly speak about their gains and losses. But Jack Bird is effectively a new recruit for them this year. Yeah, I mean, he played eight games for them last year in a variety of positions. But this will be him locked into left centre from round one. As it as it stands, so yeah, uh, obviously he he's going to take that spot. Um, he's obviously um, I think it's been highlighted for a couple of people that his price is inflated uh, based on his average from last year. He's actually priced um, at a thirty four and a half point average rather than uh, the twenty five point eight average he finished twenty eighteen with, which um, obviously makes it a bit harder to pick him from round one. But he's a you know as far as GPs go. Um, if you believe the Broncos are going to attack well, especially being on the left-hand side beside uh, Milford and having Corey Oates on his outside, uh, he's easily a chance of averaging 50-55, uh, which will be a, you know a nice 15-20 point per game bump up on what he's priced at from round one. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I guess you know there aren't too many, um, or we don't really know what's going to happen with the the cheapies in the center wing, and then as far as the guys above three hundred k go, it's just a real lottery. So um, he could definitely be one of the guys he'd be looking to. Not currently in my side, but depending on how Teamless Tuesday turns out, uh, he could find his way in. Okay, so Payne Haas, uh, Patrick Carrigan, and Thomas Fledgler. So two of the guys uh, I think performed quite well last night, particularly Fledgler. There was a big write-up in the uh, the Courier Mail this morning about about him, uh, and uh, then we all we know all about uh, Payne Haas, who unfortunately is out for I think the first month of the season, which drops him down from an A grade in the Mega Guide to you know to probably a C, um, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. The four weeks out is is huge because it means that his price won't change um, for at least six weeks, and that assumes he's straight back into the team Mm. once he's available to be picked. So uh, I wouldn't be starting with him as much as um, you know it's in a strategy to just lock him in. Uh, Just you know, what if his replacement, like what if um, Carrigan or Flegler, just absolutely brains it um, and fights their way into a potential starting spot? You know, you're not going to see half in there. So I, I wouldn't be starting with him. Uh, and yeah, I think a C is a fair fair call um, as a as a rating given what's happened now. Yeah, and I mean, if you the the write up this morning was just Flegel was just amazing, but it also just it did say that Seabold has come out and said that um, you know Haas is no guarantee straight back into the side, particularly if those two guys that you've mentioned perform really well across the first month. Um, you know Haas. You know, might not get back into the first grade team as as easily as he uh, as maybe we thought. So. Um, yeah, the the only I guess bonus of picking him from round one, it's you know it's potentially a trade that you you're saving. Um, what what do you think about that for a strategy? Yeah, look, it's definitely viable. Um, I just think it's too many weeks where it's just dead space. He's not going to earn you any money, uh, and if there's an injury, it's not like he can come in and help you out. So yeah, um, given Carrigan is um, you know dual position as well, so if he's the one picked, I'd be shoving him straight in instead of Haas. 
Uh, Flegler's uh, second row only, so that's less than ideal if he's the one who gets the gig. So it's um, yeah, certainly uh, it's it's not a uh, not it's not a strategy you can't do. It's just I think it's um, there's better options. I think you'd be finding ways to you know maximize the money earning there. Yeah, I agree. And even with somebody like a Carrigan, um, he will probably be a pretty popular pick uh, for the round one sides if he does get named. But, you know, he, to me, is a little bit risky that, you know, it could be a really slow burn um, cow and then come round five, round six, could be out of the uh, the Broncos side. Yeah, it's just a question of, I mean, if he, say, averages 30, 30 to 35, I could find himself making, you know, 80 to 100 grand by round six, round seven, yeah, uh, which could make him a potential, you know, a perfect downgrade to Haas, um, if if he, Haas does come straight back in and, and plays those first few weeks. So, it's um, I think if Carrigan's picked, you got to you got to go with him. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh, particularly there's, there's just nothing really to pick from from the cheapy perspective in the forwards this year. It's it's uh, slim pickings. Okay, mate, uh, that has been really really good. Appreciate you coming on. We've ticked over the fifteen minute mark, so we'll call it. Um, right there and maybe what I'll do is I know you, you've you uh, just started up your own podcast so how about you give that a bit of a shout out before we um, say goodbye yeah cheers for that so um, if, if you haven't heard um, myself and uh, Guy Feeney aka Bear uh, who, who obviously uh, won 20, um, last season uh, we've started up our own podcast it's called the NRL Supercoach Champions Podcast uh, you can find us on iTunes you can find us on uh, Podbean or Spotify, uh, and soon hopefully to be on Google Podcasts as well. Uh, but yeah, we've um, we've just got the one episode so far. But the idea is we're going to try do something weekly. Uh, so fingers crossed that works out for us and we're able to stick with it because uh, we're, we're pretty actually overwhelmed by the response we've received so far. So um, hopefully we can put out some good content. Uh, we like to think we're doing things a little bit differently. We're not talking about I guess the same team previews and everything like that that um you know obviously like this podcast and other podcasts like this um you know are putting out so we're trying a couple of different things to to you know put some different content out there so um yeah any questions you can find me on twitter and and, and clarify yeah so just uh, maybe for those that aren't following you on twitter what's your handle man oh yep so my handle is catfish sc Excellent. Well, um, I'm sure that's going to be one of the more popular um, Supercoach uh, podcasts this year, mate, particularly you've got two ex-champions or guy did uh, pull me up the other day and he wants to be known as the reigning champion, so that is fine. But uh, thank you very much, uh, Wilf. It's been great to catch up with you. We've got a uh, – I think you'll be appearing quite a bit over the, on the sites over the next couple of weeks, a few nice uh, write-ups coming, and, and it's uh, exciting and the season's only a couple of weeks away. So um, cheers, mate. And uh, have a good uh, rest of your Sunday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks, Lennon. Can confirm he is alive. Uh, he hasn't been too active on the sites because he's got a, uh, a very busy job, uh, a very demanding job, but I am happy to say that I've got uh, the one and only Joe Fitz on the other end of the line. How are you, Joe? Mate, it's just as much about the demanding wife and the demanding child as it is about the demanding job, but um, once you mix all three on, yeah, recreation time's a little bit limited lately, mate. I'm well otherwise. That is excellent, and... Um, well, I think you're travelling a little bit better than your beloved Bulldogs. Yeah, well, that's that's not a particular stretch to say, mate. Look, let's just say when I was going through the uh, the mega guide earlier today in preparation for our chat, I was uh, surprised that we actually finished 12th and 16 last year, and I'm not sure that we're going to hit those dizzy heights in 2019. Yeah, uh, it's um, well. You're definitely in the middle of a re, uh, well, a, a rebuild, as you would say. Unfortunately, you don't have any draft picks to to get, but it's going to be a slow grind, I think, for the Bulldogs. And and um, already pays starting to make some interesting decisions uh, in the trial games. And and maybe we can just start there and and talk us through, you know, what's been happening this off season. Yeah, look, lots. The gains, lots of losses as uh, as the you know the Bulldogs management tries to cycle through some of those bad Des Hasler back ended contracts. Um, you know we've got the likes of Greg Eastwood, Billy F- uh, Fine, uh, David Clemmer, obviously Moses and by left mid season as did Woods. The Morris twins have gone. Uh, Clay Priest, uh, the much lauded Canberra recruit who didn't do much, has been released. And Zach Wolford, uh, who was a young gun in waiting, has gone up. Uh, up the coast to, to Newcastle. So a um, bit of turnover there and, and what's coming back. It's interesting. There's some uh, dice rolls there. Jack Cogger uh, down from the Knights. Christian Crichton's uh, likely to get a wing spot from the Panthers. CHN, who was everyone's favourite rookie a couple of years back, and um, Nick Meany from the Knights. Uh, Dylan Upper would be the big uh, big recruits. And Suaso Sue, who was uh, maybe about five years ago, mate, was a bit of a favourite uh, rookie cheapie of mine, which is about the last time he was super coach relevant. Uh, and how? So how about the uh, the start of the year? Is it is it a favourable draw, or is it a, is it a rough? Um, you know, maybe two months leading into the first buy. Oh, mate, it's awful. Um, I think we're looking at uh, when we did the season previews, there were the, uh, you know, a bit of a, an analysis for the first five weeks. And I think Parramatta was about the only favourable game. Uh, not only a chance to uh, to be one and four in the start, but I'm pretty sure it's Melbourne away in round six, um, which is going to be very, very, very difficult. So, you know, God help us if we lose... Um, you know, the, the rivalry with the Eels because it could be an 0-6 start and then, you know, it, it could be on, you know, for love nor money, whether Pay survives that or or which players survive that cull. But it's one of the most brutal starts to the um, to the to the season for any team, unfortunately. And the big question is, mate, do the uh, Bulldogs win a game this year? Yeah, look, they will win a game. I think that... Ooh, they're you know, fighting words. Said, they're fighting words, mate. Yeah, win a game. Look, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a chance we'll finish over, you know, some of the also reigns as well. We won't make the eight, but, um, you know, I'm pretty confident JT's been, you know, talking up the Cowboys' chances, but I think they're absolute uh, – they'll be shocking this year. So I think I'll tip the dogs to finish ahead of the Cowboys. Wow, that's uh, a huge call. 
Huge call. Is it really? Yeah. Is it really? I can definitely see the Cowboys being one of the improvers, um, making a push for the eight, and to, and to come out and say the Bulldogs are going to be better than the Cowboys, mate. I, I think. Uh, I know. I think you're. Uh, you, you, uh, I don't know what you've been watching over the last preseason or the recruits and stuff, but um, yeah, we're very far apart in, in our uh, thinking of what's going to happen this year. Very interesting, mate. But look, I left, as it applies to the Bulldogs, I don't think we're a chance for the eight, but I also think we're the kind of team that will stay close enough that if you know the opposition makes a couple of mistakes in the last 20 minutes that you know they could pounce. So I don't think the Bulldogs will thrash anyone. But I don't think they'll be thrashed, uh, you know, too much on the other hand. So, yeah, it, it'd be somewhere 12th to 14th, I think, um, for this year, unfortunately. So uh, I'm sensing a stake bet here, mate. Yeah, I'll go in with JT for a stake. Uh, uh, stuff while, JT. So. I want some of this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be two stakes on the line. Yep, let's go. Uh, uh, Cowboys, mate. Well, my, uh, so uh, I, I say I say the Bulldogs finish ahead of the Cowboys in season 2019. Okay, I, I'll t- easily take that and happily. Um, uh, well, I think I'm going to lined up for a few stakes. We've already had uh, Travojevic is out for the first six weeks. Uh, reported today, and uh, I think that I've got a little. St- there are some technicalities with that stake bet as well that I need to work through with uh, both Daniel and Wilfred, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right, mate, we've got ten minutes uh, to smash through the guns, sleepers, bus, and cheapies at the Bulldogs, and I was just chatting with Wilfred about the Broncos, and you know there was uh, kind of few guns that really came to mind, and we just uh, we said Milford, and that was bit, and there's quite a few sleepers at the club, and. I guess much the same with the the Bulldogs, would you agree? And and they might not even have one gun at the club at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit of a worry. Just if if you're looking at trial form uh, or trial selection as any kind of indicator, uh, Reese Martin, you know, might struggle to even make the 17, which, you know, if you read my Bulldogs preview on the site uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I think he's he's probably the second best player at the club behind Josh Jackson. Um, absolute, yeah, that that's a shock. But um, you know, we had on the left side uh, Josh Jackson moved over there, and we had uh, uh, Fatala Mariner starting on the right, and then it was Martin and CHN kind of cycling through the edges with Adam Elliott on the, on uh, in the middle. So. Yeah, if not uh, Reese Martin, I'm struggling to see where you get that kind of sixty plus gun on the roster. Unfortunately. It's amazing, hey. So, so why? What's happening there? Because he played so well, and I, you know, I'm obviously not as close to the Bulldogs as what you are. But you know, the eye test and just what we saw late last year, it really looked like they had uncovered a, a very good footballer. And um, you know, how could he have fallen so far? Is there something that's happened off the field? Like, what's going on? Well, not that's kind of come through on the Bulldogs forums and and stuff like that. I mean, he is an older rookie, so. Um, you know, he's, while he's clearly talented, there might be an attitude problem there, but that's that's usually something that kind of gets out. Um, you know, Pay hasn't clearly taken much of a liking to him, even though he single-handedly won some matches towards the back end of the year and, and obviously broke the NRL uh, goal-kicking percentage record mm. uh, at a shade under 95%. So it's, it's baffling to me, frankly, um, you know, while the Bulldogs' edge, uh, you know, second-row edge is, is probably the strength of the team. I just, I, yeah, I can't see it. You know, we'll probably likely have a bunch of the kind of around 55 point per game super coach uh, players, but nothing that's going to escalate 
into a 60 and if it's not Reese Martin certainly not looking like it now unfortunately yeah it's very very interesting and perplexing a little bit too okay moving on to the sleepers and a guy that I um, am quite interested in particularly with TPJ going down um, last night is Aiden Tolman uh, so you know he's he's a former super coach warrior um, plays lots of minutes as prop and um, you know, particularly if Napa is suspended and we don't really know what's happening there, then Tolman, you know, could get back to his 65-minute-plus games. Yeah, look, I, I would be very unpleasantly surprised if, you know, someone who's a victim of revenge porn was suspended. Uh, um, I think it's a massive double stand, and if it happened to a female, there'd never be any suggestion of a suspension. So let's hope not. But, look, even if Napa does play, I think uh, his last two seasons, average 42 and 47 minutes a game. Uh, Tolman has played in the low 60s before. And when you look behind, uh, you know, the front row stocks for the, um, if you think Adam Elliott's a 60-minute player at lock, well, then the people on the bench, you're really looking at Danny Fulalo, who's a a low minutes impact middle off the bench. Um, And Jesse Sue, who I think is is pretty much the average uh, kind of NRL (laughs) player. So, yeah, there's not much impact there and there's certainly no history of big minutes that, that could possibly take it from Tolman. So he's the senior guy in the middle and, you know, price of 471. I think he's uh, probably 8 to 10 points per game under price. So perfect kind of second or third front row uh, player from round one in Supercoach with a view to kind of upgrading him to a gun once he's, once he's gained kind of 80 to 100K. Yeah, and I, th- I think even if you have a look at last year, so from round 15 through to 25, he started every game in the front row and averaged 57 points per game, um, playing just a bit over 60 minutes. So that's kind of what I'm expecting that he's going to produce between the 55 to 60 potentially. And uh, as you said, it's a nice stepping stone. But, um, you know, every year those trades are very hard to come by, particularly towards the end of the year. So can you... You know, what are your thoughts on that? Is it is it worth just is it worth going with Tolman as a stepping stone, or, or are you better off just trying to go the gun rookie approach and and try to save trades towards the end? Yeah, I think it's really going to depend what kind of front row rookies there are. It, it just doesn't seem like there's much there at the moment. There's always the round one shock, but then that comes with its own risks um, as to their longevity. Um, I think front row is. It's looking like, anyway, one of those years where you probably have to spend a bit more money just because there isn't viable, um, you know, viable rookies there. And I think with TPJ, uh, who was locked into my front row and many people's front row, um, looking like he's too much of a risk. I think Tolman is, uh, you know, for what, 24K cheaper. it doesn't get much more reliable than him. And mm. if he's a slow burner, fine. But, you know, considering that we're not going to have 17 guns, you know, until the final third of the year when when we kind of have our final teams, I think, you know, if he's going to average 55 to 60, that's a perfect blow for the back end of his 17 each week. Yeah, and particularly if you can use that cash, say, to afford a Damien Cook or, um, you know, a double-pronged gun-halves uh, combination or something, I think it's, it's definitely a... a a, uh, a worthy strategy and there's limited risk associated with it, I think. Uh, let's move on to CHN before we touch on Kerrit Holland just staying in the forwards. I mean, you have spoken about what's going to happen with that forward rotation. So last year, I think he averaged 53 minutes per game. Is there is there really uh, you know likely uh, increase there or do you think he's going to hit it around about the same as what he did last year at the Panthers? 
Uh, I, look, I'd be surprised if he if he gets kind of you know look assume. Reese Martin is out of the 17, and, and certainly the rumour is that he he will be. Um, Josh Jackson and Fatala Marin are, are big big minute players yep. on the edges. So you know, CHN may have to rotate through the middle for 20 minutes, um, you know, 25 minutes a game. So I'd actually be shocked if while he's certainly talented. Don't get me wrong; um, it, the minutes don't seem to be there if Pace sticks to his guns uh, on form. But with that bulldog start. Um, with so many away games against kind of highly rated teams, I, you know, the lineup is kind of going to be in flux. So CHN's got talent, but I certainly wouldn't start with him from round one. Okay, let's move on to Kerrit Holland then. So that's uh, a very interesting if Martin does a start because that would probably mean that Holland uh, will kick goals. Is that correct? Yeah, he was, uh, was for the trial against the Raiders. And um, look, I'm, on record as not being a huge Holland fan, and, and most of that is from uh, 2017 when he when he broke into the side and, and frankly was pretty pants um, when he played fullback. Uh, when he played centre, he was really just his goal kicking that that kind of kept him in the side. But he did kick on towards the end of last year, and certainly he crossed for a double in a trial. He's playing outside Josh Jackson uh, on the left hand side there, so. Yeah, it's it's not too bad a punt. Um, he obviously kicked on. I think he averaged eighty-one from rounds nineteen on uh, last year, which is why he starts as expensive as he does at four twenty-eight yeah. um, because he had those bench minutes earlier on. Um, I, I think it's a viable if if you do want to gamble in your CTW for for a mid pricer. Um, he's certainly a pretty good option. That being said, you know at the moment I think I could nearly fill all kind of seven slots with, with rookie players at the moment if I wanted to. So um, the, the value is going to be more in the in the kind of rookie price players, don't you think? Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And and thankfully, there are a lot of rookies opening up uh, in that center wing. And, and you know, we have uh, found over the past few years that it's there's so many question marks with the center wing and, and um, very rarely do you get those top guys coming through with um, repeat years. So um, I do agree. He's probably a little bit too expensive for me, but the upside is there. And, and as you did point out, I think from week 15, he averaged 72 points per game from the rest of the season with a couple of uh, scores over 100. So went massive there. All right, cheapies. Um, and a guy that's uh, you you, t- you briefed on, sorry, you touched on very briefly before and his, um, his name's been... Uh, all around the the headlines for all the wrong reasons in the the preseason, uh, Dylan Upper, you meant to be your big name recruit, and um, yeah, things have been happening. Uh, but from a super coach perspective, if he does not get suspended, which I agree, I don't think he should, then he comes in very very cheaply priced at two hundred eighty odd k for a starting um, prop forward. Yep, definitely in my side for a lot of reasons, and and part of that's the front row uh, stocks around him from a super coach perspective are, are, is pretty weak uh, across the competition. But also, you know, the middle forwards at Canterbury, as I mentioned before, when we were talking about Tolman, um, not a lot of big minute guys, and certainly not a lot of uh, seniority there either. So, you know, while he's forty two to 40 and forty seven minutes the last few years, he was kind of early fifties uh, the year before that, which was yep. his first full year in first grade, I think. Um, so he can play those minutes. He certainly started well in the trial, uh, played about 30 minutes before he got a rest and with several impact runs. 
So we know he can do it. He, he's an origin-level player when he's motivated. Um, got kind of squeezed out of the chooks last year. But I, I think for what we got him for, he's, uh, he's good value both in real life and at 288k for super coach. I think there's a fair bit of growth in there. Yeah, and I mean, if he only averages 45 points per game, he's going to increase in price by 140k. So that alone is fantastic considering there's there's really not that many cheapies in the front row, which you rightfully pointed out at the start. And having a look at his previous stats, so in 2015-2016, he had average scores of uh, 48 and 52, and it really just dropped off uh, from there. So... Um, you know, he did play big minutes in those years of 51 and 57. So he does have the ability and, you know, coming to a, um, you know, a much weaker side, a much weaker pack uh, from the Roosters to the Bulldogs, you'd expect that, you know, he could potentially be the, the, the big dog, the main, uh, the main guy um, at the Bulldogs this year. Yeah, certainly from an impact perspective, um, you know, Dean Pay will be looking for him to kind of set the tone. I think Tolman's um, that steady as you go at kind of guy, but, It'll be Napper, hopefully, that takes the kind of second and third uh, hit-ups that, that can really kind of gain the ground once the platform's been established. And as being the pun king that you are, Joe, I can't believe we've got through this segment without one any reference to Big Puppy at all, but um, we somehow did it. Yeah, mate, I, look, I, I led with that in my preview, so I thought I didn't want to go too uh, too crazy, but yeah. Um, big puppy, my God. I don't, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> what do you do, man? It's just, um, I mean, the, the dysfunction both in the playing group and then just, oh, look, it's sad. Being a Bulldog supporter at the moment sad. It, for so many years being, if not the best run club, uh, then certainly one of the very best run clubs. Um, so much bought up evil in recent years and, and we've got a CEO that's in there because, uh, you know, for name recognition only. Um, unfortunately, and, and we're seeing that in the way the clubs run, mate. So, yeah, Bulldogs off the field, a little bit of a joke at the moment and and not that great product on the field. Yes, and they'll be a lot less better than uh, uh, than the Cowboys this year too. Let's move on to uh, Nick Meany. Um, he's our final cheapie uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, and uh, he's touted as being the starting fullback. However, Will Hopperwhite did start there last year and from all reports played very, very well. Yeah, he did play well in the trial. Watched very, very keenly. Uh, I don't think Marcel Montoya played particularly well at right centre, who was, you know, that that's really the decision that Dean Payne needs to make is that, uh, you know, Hopawati will be there somewhere. Um, but it, whether he favours Montoya at right centre or Meany at fullback is, is probably going to depend on, you know, personal preference and, and how Montoya starts. I get the feeling Montoya's going to get first crack at it, but if the Bulldogs, you know, do kind of go down in the first two or three games, then I'm pretty sure Pale looked to blood the youngsters like he did last year. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, I mean, if he does get that starting role, then at the price he's going to be pretty tempting, particularly with Travojevic going down last night. There's going to be, uh, you know, the likes of Meany, Drinkwater, and a couple of the uh, those other guys that are hovering around that price are going to be, you know, becoming more relevant than, than possibly they were. Yeah, look, I think there's going to be people that really go overboard. Like we could see more rookie price and young price, uh, cheap uh, players in round one teams than we've ever had, particularly it's at centre wing mm-hmm. um, and a backup fullback spot. If if the people who were, you know, had penciled in a Teddy Turbo combo uh, um, at fullback, obviously Turbo's not going to be there. So 
there's an extra slot and you're literally saving 400 grand uh, by going from Turbo to Nick Meany and, and certainly considering the second row is so stacked this year, you can, you can go bananas with the money that way. Yeah, definitely. All right, mate. Well, I think we've covered off in the Bulldogs unless there's anything else that you wanted to add. No, mate, I think that, um, you know, unfortunately not too much in the way of Supercoach relevance this year. It is pretty sad that Reese Martin, looking like he's not going to get the chance to, to back it up. Um, I think what I'll be hoping is that, you know, he gets some – he makes it in a, into the 17 and gets a run of low-minute games. Um, and then if the Bulldogs do kind of start off on a bit of a losing streak and then he gets – get it into a starting edge position uh, for, you know, 100K or 200K cheaper than what he was, I think. You know, he'll definitely – I, I predict at some point Reese Martin will be the number one trade-in target at some point in the season yeah, uh, for cool. coaches during one week. So um, that's probably the hope from that perspective. Yeah, I think that's a very good call. He probably dropped a fair bit in price over the opening, um, maybe first half of the year. Okay, well, thanks, Joe. That's been really good. I know we got you coming back up um, on the site at Ten Commandments, the uh, you know stalwart of the the website. One of the more popular posts of the year will be um, hitting. I think in about two weeks, almost to the very day. So, um, really, really looking forward to that. It's always a highlight of the year, um, and that's about it. Well, we've got for tonight, guys. So we've uh, worked through a couple of teams, spoken about the uh, the trials very briefly, and then we'll be back into it with another podcast probably middle of the week as we look to wind down our um, club previews. But until then, thank you for downloading. And, uh, Joe, thank you very much for coming back on board. Cheers, mate. Cheers. See you, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 